This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated with Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It's Monday, December 28th. We really had our first real uh, Rose Bowl access to Notre Dame today. Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator, and six offensive players from Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame in Alabama on Friday. You know, it's (laughs) we laugh when we talk about it. In fact, there's a question in the second segment about we laugh when we talk about Notre Dame versus Alabama. Brian Kelly laughs sometimes when he talks about Notre Dame versus Alabama because he, you know, you ask him about the matchup against the, the Alabama players in any way you look at it, whether, whether you're the head coach in Notre Dame or a member of the media or the fan, it's difficult to envision success against an opponent that's a 20-point favorite in the clear number one in the country. I mean, especially Alabama's offense, right? Like O'Malley asked a question of Brian Kelly today where he used the, casually used the term murdered in it um, when he was discussing, like, you know, if you take away Smith, you get murdered by something else. Uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, Brian Kelly was like on guard. If you use the word narrative today, boom, like the, the, the hair on the back of his neck stood up like he was ready to push back against that. Use the term murdered by about Alabama's offense. Like, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Um, it's just, there's just not a lot of good answers for Clark Lee defensively. Um, nor has there been any good answers for pretty much anybody all year against Alabama's offense. That's why they're averaging 50 points a game in all SEC games in a year where they didn't play Vanderbilt or South Carolina. You want me to add to the matchup issues or is that enough <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the way? Yeah, you know, look, if you're just looking at Clarence Lewis or Nick McLeod's going to be matched up on Devontae Smith and Brian Kelly said when I asked him the question, well, that's not a good matchup. You got to double them. But then when you double them, you take a hat out of the box and Najee Harris runs the ball. There's a reason they average 50 points a game. It's one of the best offenses we've seen. To not bring this podcast down immediately, I will say that as well as we've picked Notre Dame to win or lose in the last four years, uh, I thought Alabama's the best offense I'd ever seen was the one that got murdered by Clemson in the last time that they, they played in that yeah. championship game in 2018. So it is not an impossibility, but individual matchups are ridiculously stupid if you look at them in this game. There is not a corner that can cover Devontae Smith. There is not a thought process that makes you think, as well as Justin Adamalola and Dalen Hayes <laughs> and Adi Ogundeji have played, that they're going against the best offensive line in the country with the best running back in the country, that that's going to work out all game long. However, it's football and stuff happens. But when you just go on paper, that's why we laughed. And that's why Brian Kelly knows on paper it's a complete it's a complete washout on paper. But they don't play it on paper. So I think we have to kind of, going forward, I, I, can, I can understand why someone didn't want to hear us laugh because the games aren't always played on paper. And yet, and yet here I am doing it again. Florida scored 46 points against Alabama. Notre Dame does not have an offense like that. But not only does certainly Notre Dame's defense has to play one of its best games of the year and hopefully hold Alabama into the thirties, the high thirties, early forties. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to try to steal the game at the end. You're not going to, yeah. I mean, I think, once we get, I think once we get into the low forties, it becomes really difficult for Notre Dame's right. offense to score enough, but I still contend that, that if Notre Dame is playing well offensively, they can score in the thirties against Alabama. Now it's going to yeah. have to be, the perfect game plan. Tommy Reese is going to have to call a great game. Ian Book is going to have to be at the level that he was in November and early December. Uh, you know, receivers, Javon McKinley has to play his best football. Yeah, look, everybody has to play their, they have to play their best football. And 
the most daunting side of the football, though, for Notre Dame is on is defense yep. defensively, and yet that's Notre Dame's strength. So, you know what you can manipulate this however you want in in, in evaluating it. But I think you're right, Tim, that when you get down to individual matchups of five stars against three stars in certain situations, it's very very difficult. But I'm I'm most interested to sort of see. You know, Brian Kelly used the term complementary football today. Does Notre Dame try to play defense on offense? Um, do they try to sit on the ball a little bit more? <laughs> and then one, you know, one sort of matchup that is curious to me, I'm not saying it's like a huge advantage for Notre Dame, is like the way Notre Dame plays football, probably Alabama saw regularly in 2012 and 2011 when they were steamrolling people. They don't really see Notre Dame style football anymore uh, in the SEC. You don't see three tight end sets. Um, you don't see that kind of approach on offense. Does that, you know, does, I don't know, does does Notre Dame sort of find a little bit of an advantage there where Alabama's, where they, they've, they've gotten lighter at linebacker? Um, you know, they're not sort of these huge 250-pound middle linebackers anymore. And Notre Dame finds some success playing a, a physical bully ball kind of approach against that defensive front. I don't, I don't know, but it's a, it's a place where I think if you looked at the game and you're like, where's a matchup where you can find something good that Notre Dame might find some success? That's that's where I would go first. I'm not, I don't know what the second one is, but like, that's that's one place where maybe you can get a toehold if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, I. I there's the differentiator that Notre Dame has is they play differently than other teams right now. And I know that there is the theory out there and it, it, it might be totally accurate that Notre Dame can't get to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state's modern level by playing this way, but it can keep getting them 11 wins and it keeps putting yeah. you on the doorstep here. The only way Notre Dame can win is if their offensive line and defensive line are the best units. And at least they have hope that that can be that way. I mean, those are their strengths. I look, I'll have Alabama's offensive line. I think, it might be too close that we watched Notre Dame lose recently. I think Alabama's offensive line is better than Notre Dame's. Um, they're they're both missing their center. Uh, Notre Dame's had more time to adjust to it. I think, you know, you would have thought during the season that Notre Dame missing one player would be fine with Josh Log, but I think I might be proven wrong when I said he was the fourth most important lineman. He's at least the third most important, if not the second, because it it makes a player just Josh Log just isn't a center right now, right? So it's it's a rough replacement for him. The problem is Notre Dame's defensive line has to be great against maybe the best thing Alabama has. Just because they're not Heisman finalists doesn't mean they're not the reason all those other Heisman finalists are great. The offensive line is awesome for Alabama, and it outweighs Notre Dame by about 50 pounds a man. Yeah, it's, it's you know, uh, early in the year, uh, remember when Brian Kelly was talking about, was it the size of the South Florida offensive line that he was <laughs> <Yeah>. talking about? <laughs> I mean, this is these guys. The right tackle is three sixty. Their offensive guards are big and mobile, and nor but Nordheim has to be able to run the football, and I think that they can. Now, don't I don't want to put a number on it because we're always doing that. And I think we really need, just in general, the way we look at, it, the way fans look at, it, you need to stop putting a number on how many yards you need rushing. What you need is a twenty-four yard run, a couple of eight-yard runs on first and ten. You know, I mean, situational, what was the term that was being used? Situational execution. So I don't know what the number is running the football against Alabama. It's probably not 200. That's probably out of reach. But if it's 155 at the most opportune times, now you can put a little bit of pressure on their secondary maybe that's thinking they have to come up and help against the run 
and that's how you perhaps open something in the passing game. Brian Kelly mentioned Braden Lindsay to the relief of, of thousands of fans out there that, it, you know, he, he is, he actually, the name was brought up to him, but he actually said that they have to take advantage of his speed. So that's promising to hear. That's a guy that can get deep on somebody. If you can at first establish some semblance of rushing attack to make Alabama think a little bit differently defensively. I do think like if you told me if somehow magically Chase Claypool was reintegrated into the roster, like to me that that would change everything for Notre I Dame. Agree. Like they just don't have anybody on the outside who's going to go up and like beat a Patrick Sertain or elite defensive backs for 50-50 balls consistently. You know, Javon McKinley has done it in a couple moments. One of them was Clemson in November. Um, you know, Ben Skranek did it against Pittsburgh and Boston College. Like but it's just – it's not to the point where you can rely on that every week in huge spots. Um, I just think that would change the entire dynamic of Notre Dame's offense. But as it is there, they can sort of beat you up in a phone booth, and that's probably what they're going to have to try to do. I do thought you... it was – Go ahead, Tim. I thought it was interesting that Brian Kelly – we mentioned this in the instant analysis. Brian Kelly, when, when Temple was brought up to him, <clears throat> he talked about – Temple on Notre Dame's offense, he immediately talked about how electric Alabama's offense was them, themselves and that they scored in bushels and Notre Dame's not going to run the four-corner Princeton off defense, offense. Um, and yet when, when, it, when Temple was brought up to Tommy Reese, you know, he talked about, you know, mixing that in and doing some things that maybe can keep him. So Tim and I talked about this, Pete. You know, I think there might be Tim. This was actually Tim's idea that there might be some situations where tempo makes sense. Certainly, the first drive, which they would do with Chip Long, and then they would get away with from tempo. But maybe after a turnover or just a, a spot where you think, okay, we've got to hit them right now when the hitting is good. But otherwise, and this was again Tim's point. What would you rather have? Fourteen possessions by Alabama or nine? Nine. Yeah, yeah, it's not even not even a question. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that, exactly what you're saying. I think that's that's sort of like a a situational moment when in the game that that could be pretty interesting. I think my point to uh, on instant analysis was Pete Avery Davis catches a thirty yarder down the seam. You get up there and run tempo and get him. This is when you have to run tempo. But it's just yeah. if you run tempo all game and you say, man, we went out there, we scored five touchdowns. In our 14 possessions, you're going to lose 52 to 35. Yeah, I think that tempo, I mean, we how many times have we talked or written about tempo? But, like, it's a little overdone. Like, Notre Dame doesn't have the personnel to run tempo all the time at warp speed. I think that's sort of what people want to see. But tempo is a change-up. Yeah. All right, like, yeah. now we're talking there. I think that could be interesting. And I've seen some opinions expressed about, you know, just – just attack Alabama. You can't, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to take what is not a strength for you and try to beat Alabama with that. You're not, you're not going to, it just doesn't work that way. You're going to have to do what you do well. Yeah. Do you tweak some things in a game like this? You have to, but at the end of the day, I mean, you got to go to war with what, what makes you, what, what put you in this game in the first place. I agree, Tim, but I, I still firmly believe, and I brought it up after the loss to Clemson, two shots downfield. I don't care. Well, that I, don't I, mean, care that I agree with. That I, agree I don't with. care if they're covered. It's, it's got to, they, you have to open it up a little bit by trying them. I mean, 
people catch passes when they're covered. <laughs> this, this is the only way to really say it at this point. No, you're, you're this is the way football is, man. If it's they love playing one on one and they're great at it. Patrick Sertan's great at it. You got to try it. That's why I asked Ian Book about how what how do you walk the fine line between testing him when he's so good. I know it's hard to do, but if it's if it's check down Captain Ian Book, they're going to get murdered. Yeah, ultimately it comes down to Ian Book having to pull the trigger on someone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, I do. I don't know. I mean, the check down is okay as long as as long as your if your argument is like they got to take a couple shots opposed to being like just chuck it all over the place. Then I, I get what you're saying. No, but that's like, what he's saying. I'm okay with checkdowns if you're controlling the clock. I just feel yeah, like and, and, in, the, in the one area where Alabama has shown a weakness is third down defense. I mean, they're giving up 40% conversion rate. And I, and I went through, uh, I went through everybody that that occurred against. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's really right down to the opponent. If it was an opponent, that wasn't very good on third down offense, Alabama dominated them. If it was an opponent that was pretty good on third down offense, Alabama got eaten up. They got eaten up by Mississippi, by AM, by Missouri, by Georgia. Those are the first four games, not in that order. Uh, they got eaten up on third down by Auburn. They got eaten up, and Auburn's 22nd in the country. They got eaten up by Florida on third down. Florida's third in the country in third down conversions. Notre Dame is ninth, I want to say, eighth or ninth. So that gives you some hope that you can possess the football. That's where the checkdowns work because you're moving the chains. But Notre Dame's got to be way better on first and second down than they were against Clemson. They had no chance against Clemson because they were second and 12 all night long. Are we making making people feel better? Is this working? You know, I thought Kelly had another good point, and um, he he mentioned no matter what you're doing offensively, we can't have three and outs. So – Tempo three and out, bad. Ball control three and out, bad. <laughs> you didn't control the ball there. Right. The, the key is they really, if they can stay true to character, they don't often have three and outs. I know it felt like it against Clemson because there were so many poor possessions, but it was still just two. You still get two a game, two, two three and outs against Clemson, one against Syracuse, two against North Carolina, one against Clemson the first time out other than at the end of the half, there was another one, two against Boston College, two against Georgia Tech. I mean, I you can live with two three and outs, against Alabama, as long as your other possessions are pretty productive. And unfortunately against Alabama, productive means seven, not three and punting after 10 plays, but better punt after 10 plays than three, I guess. is what yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back with a bunch of questions. Segment two, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. We're in segment two, burning up the boards, and we start with a question from Rowdy Irish. How does Notre Dame compare up front to Alabama this time as opposed to 2012? I mean, it depends on what front we're talking about, right? Um, you know, I, I think that Notre Dame's offensive front compares much more favorably than it did in 2012, but I mean, Notre, Alabama's offensive line is bigger and Notre Dame is not Teo, Nicks, Tuit, Catherine Lewis more big anymore. So I, I don't know if there's it's like more favorably Notre Dame's offensive line, but less favorably with Notre Dame's defense is how I'd view it. Yeah, I think it's fair to try to go back before the game. I mean, in theory, it was strength versus strength Notre Dame's defensive line against Alabama's offensive line. 
But we wondered, that was a great Alabama defensive line. Remember, you just looked at it and like, oh, gosh, this is going to be tough. So I don't yeah. think – I think it's clear that Notre Dame's offensive line matches up better than it did in 2012. They, they, we knew they were in trouble from that perspective in 2012. The big surprise was how much they were in trouble on the other side. of the, I didn't think the defensive line was going to get handled that easily in 2012. I think when, you know, everybody talks about – or a lot of opponents that were beaten by Notre Dame this year talk about the increase in physicality with – hints that Clemson said that the first time around in early November. So from that standpoint, you know, it, it has been narrowed. I mean, I think across the board throughout, throughout the entire football team, Notre Dame is a more physical football team, way more physical than they were eight years ago. But uh, Pete, you bring up a good point. I mean, think about the, think about the dudes that were on that defensive line and, uh, you know, we're not seeing that right now. Now, as a unit, as a Clark Lee coached defense, right. they're really good against the run, which is, you know, the 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 sum is greater than the individual, you know, talent here. Um, For sure. Yeah, that's the best. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They they have played. My concern, though, is you realize that the last two opponents that Notre Dame has played, including Syracuse, has rushed for 200 yards against Notre Dame. And now you're, now you're going to face – in Alabama offense, it doesn't necessarily – I mean, it really comes down to Najee Harris carries 19 times a game, and that's the running game. Yeah, it's, I mean, don't you have to – like, Donovan's rush defense in 2012 was ridiculous. No, I you're mean, right. They didn't yeah. give up a rushing touchdown until Oklahoma and Blake. No, you're, you know, you're, abso- you're absolutely right. I, 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 just, I, I guess I was thinking in terms of collectively – Nordic collectively game. now is better than they are individually. Yes, I and, agree. And, with that, you. and that speaks to the in, improved strength and physicality and the coaching of Clark Lee. But but your point, Pete, is absolutely correct as well. Their approach is different. They bring nine guys at you, 10, 11 guys at you, whereas that team brought that team did bring six. Um, look, we go back before that game started. Lewis Nix, Stefan to it. Capper Lewis Moore, Sheldon Day. That was a nice four going in against him, right? It just didn't work out. Man, yeah. was the best defensive player we had seen in 10 years. Horrible game. Couldn't tackle anybody. <laughs> so it was just, but the problem is we didn't think that before that game. And it's, and that's what makes this, this a, a bit of a scare because we've seen this Alabama offensive line. It's, it's, uh, it's really, really good. Irish fan three. Can you compare North Carolina's offense to Alabama's? Obviously Alabama has three Heisman trophy candidates while UNC didn't have one, but given how explosive that offense was, I'm wondering if there are any similarities for the Irish to employ a similar game plan. North I like Carolina. It. I like the question, though. I, I do. I think it's a. I think it's a very interesting question. But North Carolina's offensive line is not nearly as physical as as this Alabama offensive line. That's the game changer right there. I. You know, if you said that um, Howell was superior to Mac Jones, even though Mac Jones is a Heisman finalist, I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily like stand up and be like, "No, you're you're dead wrong." Um, North Carolina also played Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, Virginia, Duke, Wake Forest, uh, and then they obviously they just destroyed Miami and Western Carolina. Um, so their statistics based on competition, not quite the same thing as what Alabama did in the SEC. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, as good as Deami Brown is, and he's going pro, and as good as Michael Carter and Williams are it's Najee Harrison Devonta Smith are at a different level Devonta yeah. Smith is phenomenal what's your favorite Devonta Smith national championship memory because this is his third game 
playing the national championship after winning it as a freshman on an overtime touchdown. Uh, But Tim, the offensive line is by far the difference. In fact, I asked uh, our 24-7 site in our insider's preview, uh, Alabama has three Heisman Trophy finalists on offense. So exactly how great is that offensive line that makes them all operate with impunity? Because I have a feeling that's the reason they have three, not one. Because the offensive line is not in the same – you can't even discuss the offensive line in North Carolina and Alabama together. You can't even discuss Clemson's offensive line with Alabama. No, you really can't. You really can't. And I, and, and I mean, North Carolina's skill position players are really, really good. They're going pro. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. are. They're really good. I didn't hear you. Carter's going pro. I knew Javante Williams. Carter is too? I just assumed. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. They're going pro in something called football, not something other than football, <laughs> like commercial used to say. They are going pro in football. Irish John M. Is stopping the run the key to keep the key to keeping the score close in the fourth quarter and giving Notre Dame a chance at stealing a win, even if that means giving up some big plays in the passing game, does it make sense to have Kyle Hamilton shadow Devontae Smith rather than leave the corners on an island with him? You know, I've never said that stopping the run isn't the key, but if they start scoring on deep touchdown throws, you're not just going to sit there and still commit eight guys to Najee Harris. So you have to do something to stop them from throwing the ball down the field and scoring at will, because then it just gets so loose. Don't you think? Yeah, but you, you do have, you the have starting to, point has to be, it has to be, but it can't the, be like the running the, game. It can't be like the Clemson game one reliance on, all right, we'll see if they can beat us. If we take Travis Etienne out, that's kind of why I asked Brian Kelly that question about who do you take? What you have to pick a poison. And I don't know what poison you pick. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I don't have an answer. They don't have an answer either. That's why Brian Kelly stuff. chuckles when he talks yeah, about their yeah, offense. He knows there is no, there's no answer. You have that, to make plays on whatever you're doing. Whatever that's you're, where you work the term murdered into a question. And yeah. Like, and you know, okay. I'm, uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of questions about what you do with Kyle Hamilton. It's not one thing. He's right. got to do a variety of things for you. If he does, if he does one specific thing, if he defends Devante uh, Smith, the whole game, well, then that's going to come back and bite you too. So you have to mix it up. You have to, you have to have a variety of approaches depending upon, you know, Alabama's offensive this tendencies, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, this isn't taking away Michael Pittman against USC, right. where if you do that, the the metrics and the numbers say, like, you can give up rushing to Marquis Step and Amon Ross St. Brown is going to hurt you in the slot. But, like, if you do that, you're you're still in a great position to win. With Alabama, I mean, come on. If you take away one thing, then you get back to what O'Malley said, is you get the Heisman Trophy candidates at the other positions. And that's not – that's just not a sustainable way. To, you you got to make Alabama think about what you're doing. Yeah, and you got to turn them over three times. I mean, that's – I'll put yeah. a number on that one. you got to turn them over three times. That's how, how they stopped Trevor Lawrence in the first quarter. They picked him off on a tip pass. On a great – it wasn't a fake – I mean, it wasn't a fluke. Drew White made a great play. You got to do those again. I mean, you need a couple of those. You need to strip somebody. You, yeah, and and then, but then, okay, you get three takeaways. You got to score touchdowns on those yeah, takeaways. Absolutely, <laughs> the, the defense can't necessarily probably won't score on all three takeaways right away. So they're gonna they're gonna need some help from me and book. Can't win time of possession that way, O'Malley. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Irish fan one fifty one. In watching Alabama tape, how has the SEC tried to defend Alabama? Blitzing more than usual, drop eight, base defenses. I guess I'm asking, does Notre Dame blitz Mac Jones more than normal or play Bob Diaco-style defense to reduce big plays? Similar question from the previous one. but Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's, I mean, I've watched, I watched nine 
of the 11 games that Alabama played. And I mean, it doesn't, does it, sometimes you blitz, they pick it up, they hurt you. Sometimes you don't, they run the ball on you. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the answer is against a team that's averaging 50 points a game that hasn't scored. They've scored 41 or more in 10 out of 11 games. And it was, it was the opener. They didn't, which is different than right. Right. Like, that'd be like, that'd be like holding Notre Dame's offensive line to the opener standard. <laughs> right. <laughs> it has exactly. nothing to do with the team this year. Um, yeah. I, I, the mixing it up is what obviously has to be done. Um, that's what everybody tries to do though. Hey, Clark Lee's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. And He's going to have to uh, reestablish that against an offense that is different than Clemson's. I mean, they they were worried about Trevor Lawrence beating them, and he still did it. So I don't know if maybe they he's just so good or they chose poorly. I don't know. That's why I want to ask Brian Kelly that question. I wanted to know what is it that makes – what is there a differentiator? And he said there's not, and I get that on their offense. I mean, you could say it's Najee Harris. You could say it's Devonta Smith. It's probably the offensive yeah, line. That's that's when it gets scary when when uh, he answers a question like that and you think, yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah. That's, I you and know I, I, I well hold on I I, I want to give I want to be fair to Irish fan one fifty one because he's I, I think he's asking you know blitz more than usual I, I I get that because Mac Jones isn't the runner that Trevor right. Lawrence is and you figure if you can pin him in there, uh, then then you know then you have a chance you have to blitz some. But you got to get home, and then you know, then you weaken yourself on the back end. So your blitz better be effective, otherwise, Mac Jones is throwing unencumbered, and that leads to very bad things. Yeah, I guess if I had to pick my poison, I would I would go with blitzing more than having him sit there. And I I I, I, mean, I tend to agree with you on that. It's hard to it's hard to argue. Let's see what he can do in the pocket, right? And and he's completing seventy six percent of his passes. Yeah, exactly. Let's see what so, he does in the pocket while he's sitting back here. Seventy six. Think about that. And the Inzer. It looked like Ian Book was playing not to make a mistake and seeing pressure against Clemson rather than taking chances when they were presented. He looked totally different than the regular season game against Clemson and the UNC game for that matter. In those games, he looked loose and wasn't afraid to win. What the heck changed? Well, Clemson had space. Yeah, I mean Clemson had three of their better defensive players back. Yeah. They flattened out the pass rush so that he didn't have that book. Didn't have those 45 degree escape routes. Um, yeah. I mean, Clemson played great defense. Nordim couldn't run. It, it's, it's always a combination of when, when one side's dominating the other one side's playing great. The other one's playing poorly. Yeah, just, I mean, Clemson was so much better at the point of attack defensively. Tyler Davis is part of it, but then Jared Patterson was part of it. So it's what quarterback plays great or takes shots or looks dynamic and loose and free when there's somebody in his face. Um, you know, Clemson was able to sort of get that very quickly. You know, ball gets the book, and then he's he's got to figure out how to get away from somebody that's coming right at him. I think this is the best time to bring this up as well because of Andy Yinger's question. Um, it'll look a little different against Alabama per Liam Meikenberg, who said today that Clemson gave them a bunch of stuff they didn't see. And he doesn't think that will happen against Alabama. I found that interesting. He said, Clemson gave us stuff we were not prepared for. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, they don't, Alabama doesn't have to be as exotic where it's, it's, right. it's, it's right. in the nature of, of their defensive coordinator, Clemson's defensive coordinator to do that. I don't think that he, I don't think he has as much fun if he, if he's just sitting back. I agree with yeah, you. Well, it's, I mean, there's also, it's worth acknowledging that Brent Venables and Pete Golding are not in the same classification of defensive coordinators. Right, right. 
which is good. Finally going to a game where there's not an amazing coordinator against them in a championship game. Yep, 98. What are you hearing in terms of Zeke Corral's ankle? Do those in, do those inside the goo expect him to start? I thought based on today's press availability that it's going to be Josh Lug again. Yeah, Eichenberg kind of mentioned Lug. Uh, says he'll, he'll improve as he keeps playing. And, you know, Eichenberg met the next two games because he's a very confident player. Uh, I, I, so we talked about this briefly, Pete, on instant analysis. I just feel that once Carell couldn't win the job after the ankle injury, at some point, you, Brian Kelly's probably thinking, let's just keep developing Josh Lug for the, for the stretch run and not. He throws Zeke Carell into a second career start against Alabama. That's, oh, man, it's just that's so tough. tough. And I get why people are concerned because, I, you yeah, know, I think we be. all thought Carell, I mean, Carell just looked fundamentally more sound in his one opportunity, but they're going to go with Lug. Um, Eichenberg kind of tipped that today the same way Kyron Williams tipped it prior to the, the and I don't think it's championship. That crazy of a notion. It's not a crazy notion. No, I mean, they're, they're going with the bigger body with more experience. At the end of the day, that that's just their decision, whether that's right or wrong. And I, I could certainly argue against that, but that's that's their decision, and I think that it's well reasoned because they watch them practice every day, and we don't. It's worth mentioning the first team All American center, Landon Dickerson, is also out for Alabama. This is true. And um, it's, it's the first game out. He went out in the fourth quarter against Florida, so there's something for Alabama to work on as well. He's, I mean, if you look at Alabama's team awards, he was there the equivalent of their inspirational leader award. He was their like weight room leader award. He was the top lineman award. You know, he went not top lineman. That was Alex Leatherwood, but he's, he's a pretty important piece uh, to their machinery too. So we maybe will have some type of impact on their offense. And the one Cubs, I think we'd all agree. The O-line is a position group closest to a championship level, which position group is the furthest from championship level. And ND Cubs is his top three wide receiver, defensive back quarterback. Go ahead, Pete. Um, I, I, I actually would put defensive end away up there as well. I, d- I don't think that Notre Dame has a championship level group of defensive ends. Um, but I, but I would tend to agree that defensive back to me, especially if you got it to corner corner would be number one, uh, receiver. I would put two defensive end, three quarterback, four. Um. Yeah, I think defensive back is just one because John Crawford's playing out of position, and they don't have backups that can that championship level. Now they have a fine secondary for uh, regular everyday football. Um, once you get to the Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama level, and Alabama is different. I would say defensive back one and two, <laughs> wide receiver three. I guess I'd say quarterback four. I, I, I was going to argue against that, but I have said on uh, twice now this year in the summer and fall, if you just switch Trevor Lawrence to Notre Dame's team, they would have beaten Clemson and uh, given Notre, and given the other team a run for their money in the 2018 playoffs. So I, I guess I have to say quarterback as well, but only because I don't say running back. I don't say tight end, clearly. I don't think linebacker either with Wusu Koromoa and a, and a solid Drew White and rotation there. Um yeah, I mean, I guess quarterback I is next. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I mean, when you're playing Alabama, wide receiver, quarterback, cornerback, defensive end are all issues. And, Pete, I think it's a good point, defensive end. They're just yeah. not – you know, when you can't consistently get pressure with four, now you're compromised, and there's no way on God's green earth they're going to get pressure with four in this game, not against that offensive line. It's not like – you know, they, uh, Alabama's offensive line is so big that, yeah, there are times where they don't look particularly quick, but the way they function together, 
with all that mask, you know, lined up next to each other. You know, yeah. I don't think defensive end, though, is like when we're going to walk away and be like, that, that was it. That was the reason. I just feel like the secondary is going to get exposed. Well, so. yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I say defensive end purely from a pass rush standpoint. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, against the run, Ogundeji's been, been, has gotten better. Hayes has played He's, better. Yeah. Yep. You know, Fos- I guess Foskey's the guy that, you know, never really launched this year on any kind of consistent basis. And that's a little disappointing. He was just as good early as he was late, and you don't want that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not I'm not saying it's completely his fault because I you guys keep the snap counts. I don't know that he's really gotten enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that he's gotten enough snaps to 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 yeah. be consistently effective. Hoops underscore Orpic. What's the one matchup that you like for Notre Dame? What's the one that scares you, and what's the one that Notre Dame wins needs to win to stay in the game? Good question. Uh, I mean, I like Notre Dame's tight ends against Alabama's linebackers. That's fine, too. Uh, The one that scares me would be Alabama's receivers against everybody else on the field. Um, And the one that Notre Dame needs to win is their offensive line really needs to blow Alabama's defensive line off the ball a lot. I agree on, I think, all of that. Alabama's linebackers against Notre Dame's running backs and tight ends. I think that would be a nice wrinkle. As we always talk mm-hmm. about, what's the wrinkle? Mm-hmm. Braden Lindsay. How about getting Kyron Williams on a screen pass again? That's been or, – or my favorite play in the world when they run QB power at Clemson and then stop and hit the running back for a 10-yard gain at full speed. There is nothing – there's nothing speaks the modern game more than a quarterback running quarterback power and then throwing. <laughs> they could employ some of that against Alabama. Um the one that scares me is Najee Harris against the standard box without Kyle Hamilton coming up to help. Cause if he starts to control the game, then it's over. Uh, and then Devonte Smith against everybody in the secondary. And the one that I potentially like is Nordham's offensive line against their three down linemen. Now, you know, they got guys so. coming. I, yeah, I know it has to be. Um, they got guys coming off the edge that are really good. We'll talk about that with a, with a later question here. Uh, but I kind of like, I kind of like that matchup. Um, the one that, scares me is is Devonte smith uh, against Notre Dame secondary which is i i mean i guess that's the easy pick but what you say about Najee harris uh as well but i mean i i and so the one that they need for me is the d-line has to be able to confront that offensive line and that's uh that's a scary proposition there have not been many games where the <laughs> line wins and their team gets blown out Right, right. There's not many football games played where a D-line wins, yet your team gets blown out, gets their doors. I don't. It just doesn't work that way usually. I mean, I'm sure there are examples of that, but that's really, really difficult to do. (laughs) Um, uh, So I'm all for the Notre Dame lines uh, rising up in this game. (laughs) Terry Benedict, in all the years covering college football, this is a great question, by the way. Have you ever seen a fan base turn so much in a 24-hour span from pre-Clemson to post-Alabama announcement? Also, would you even have John Doerr attempt a field goal in this game? Well, with regard to the first question. No, <laughs> I've never seen it turn like that. I, that's what I was concerned about, that that after a 10-0 regular season, there's a very realistic possibility that they lose the last two games. Uh, and, and we, on our end, I cringe at that because then we know that we have to deal with the onslaught of negativity and you can't, you can't, you can't read. We, no, we, it's just you guys. I'm not doing it. Yeah, no, you don't. That. That's I, uh, O'Malley and me. Uh, yes. You can't reason with the onslaught of negativity because 
there's a refusal to look at things in, in real life terms. It's everything is falling apart. We question the entire program. You go from 10 and 0 playing an ACC championship to our first question being in our previous podcast, what's the state of the program? (laughs) I mean, the state of the program is 43 and seven and you can't get past three superior football teams, nor can anyone else. I mean, what's the state of the program? They just made the playoffs for the second time in three years. If really, if, I mean, if, if Friday goes the way that the point spread would indicate, it does have a little bit of a 2006 vibe to me where you ended the season really getting outclassed at USC. And then the LSU game happens in the sugar bowl. Obviously, there are many differences there because Notre Dame is not going to go three and nine next year. But it just it felt like a season that had a ton of potential that then you're just like, oh, um, and that's that's tough. I I understand that. I I would completely understand that reaction. It doesn't require a complete autopsy of everything that's happening at Notre Dame. But I understand that, man, it is just going to feel like a a major amount of air went out of a, a pretty fun balloon ride uh, up until December 19th. Yeah. It's funny because uh, you mentioned 2006 and that is like the good Notre Dame team, the pretty good Notre Dame team that I least enjoyed watching. So I, I, I can't even, you make a great oh, point. God, yeah. Those wins yeah. agonizing. I can't even equate <laughs> the way this team plays football to that team. I love the 05 team. I'm not talking about that era. I'm right. talking about that team after 05. Not a fun team. Took zero steps forward and a bunch of steps back in terms of mental and physical toughness that this team doesn't that's not the way this program is now and where is the state of the program if they lose to alabama they will have the exact same record that lou holtz's best 50 game one 51 game run was the exact same however they won't have a national championship and that's what matters. yeah he, he knocked up a couple, a couple <laughs> he, really he did, good. But i'm saying they are yeah. still they still win no i hear you at that right here and as far I, as john as far as john door did he or did he not make a 51 yard field goal in the first quarter 10 days ago how much faith do you have in Jonathan Dorr hitting his not first 41-yard field goal in the first Not play? a lot. Not a lot. But you don't you don't abandon players in the playoffs. No, you don't. You're right. Do but. you take a few more chances on fourth down in, in plus territory? Yes. Certainly. But yes, but I want to skip ahead to the next question here. Yeah, that's <laughs> – uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Tim. Uh, GR Irish fan 22, given the reason. No, no, no. Terry, no, Terry Benedict. Yeah. So oh, yeah, we did. Okay, I'm sorry. GR Irish fan 22, okay. given the recent struggles of Dorr, do you see this impacting whether he comes back next year? I'm sorry. I know. I mean, that's that's a little harsh. Maybe uh, he doesn't know he's coming back. I'm not sure why that exactly why that question is being asked. Maybe he doesn't know that, that Dorr right. has already said he's, he's coming, coming back. back. Yeah, he might. From, from Notre Dame's perspective, we've seen Jonathan Dorr be great. Right. Of course right. you want him back. Oh yeah, I mean, there's uh, maybe maybe he thinks as Josh Bryan's a good kicker in, in high school that uh, he's going to be a great college kicker. But I have a list a mile long for you. Um, Jonathan Dorr will be back next year, and I believe he'll beat out Josh Bryan. And Josh Bryan, from what I've listened to our, from Tom and Kevin, he's resigned to the not he's resigned to the fact, but he knows Dorr is coming back and is probably going to be the kicker. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was interesting. Know. Brian Polian had said had been asked on uh, signing day, you know, why the freshman kicker? Because, oh, right, right. Because I don't want I don't want a freshman kicker kicking for us, and they know Doors coming back. Such a good so, answer. But I, I still I still feel strongly that John Doerr is going to be a quality kicker for Notre Dame. I'm just not sure it's the the rest of this season. Good point. 
I'd prefer he be a quality kicker for two more games than than he hits a single kick next year. Actually, that's fine. Let's see Jonathan Dork kick for two more games this year, and he can make no field goals next year. Would you take that trade? Yes. <laughs> beat Alabama and play for the national title. Oh well, you're you're assuming those field goals beat Alabama. I'm not yeah, well, assuming he's got that. Two more games. If he plays two more games, one beat Alabama. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. Gotta right. go that way. Again, Irish. reading and listening is fundamental here. Yeah. Irish B. We know Alabama has better skill position players, but do you think Notre Dame can win on both sides of the line? Will we even have a chance if we do? That's a good second. That's yes. If if they do, you're probably going to upset Alabama or come very close to doing it. I agree. Yes. Um, yes. Yep. Can will can Notre Dame win both sides of the line? I don't believe they will, but they can. Certainly I can't. think that's a good way of putting it. I sure wish Jared Patterson was in the equation. Yeah, I do too. That That is a huge part of it for me. I, I don't think they've been the same since. I mean, I, they haven't been the same since, but and that's logical. It's nothing against. We cannot put it on Josh Lug. It's not, he's a tackle playing that played guard and is now playing center in all the high leverage games. Like, it, it's just not on Josh Lug. I'm sorry. Zeke Curl would probably be the guy, and he wouldn't be as good as Jared Patterson either. Yeah, you you just need you need size in this game and uh, and, and experience. I mean, I, you know, Corral did great against. He did a very very fine job against North Carolina, but Clemson and and Alabama are just different animals. All right, let's wrap up the the two line things because we all feel the same way. And I mentioned that no defensive line has ever dominated and lost the game. Or not no, but usually doesn't happen. Pick one to win and pick one to draw. Which Notre Dame line wins, which Notre Dame line draws, and that will help Notre Dame win the game. I say offensive line wins, defensive line draws. I agree. I think I'm with you. Yep. Okay, this is a question we're all looking forward to. Uh, Irish, Indy, Irish, Colorado, Co. If you made a two-deep depth chart of Notre Dame and Alabama players, what would it look like? So basically we're going to choose who would be the starters. So Alabama has quarterback, running back, um, wide receivers, two, two receivers, two receivers. Uh, they don't have Notre Dame's tight end. We just won't say center. We don't know Alabama's backup. Right. Center. I mean, so centers, center might be luck. <laughs> it's Alabama's backup center's first start. Uh, the problem is Leatherwood at left tackle versus Eichenberg is Leatherwood's probably the first team All American and the higher draft pick. You guess you could say wash there, but it's really Leatherwood, right? Uh well, I don't know. Eichenberg. I, I mean, I, 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 I think why don't we go Eichenberg and Leatherwood? Yeah, we'll do that. That's fine. Um, okay. Banks. So Robert, so Robert Hainsey is out as starting yes. tackle. I think so. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah. Banks. Um, I think Aaron Banks. I would take Aaron Banks. Banks, makes it. Aaron Banks had a great. Yeah. Banks Aaron. makes it. And then it's Ekior or Deontay Brown at right guard in place of Kramer. Right. Who also improved and had a good year in Tommy Kramer. And then the Notre Dame yeah. tight ends, both tight ends take. I'd rather have Tremble and Mayer. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Defensively, um, Hamilton, Usu Koromoa are definitely in the starting lineup. Right. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I, love, I love Will Anderson and Christopher Allen off the edge. Neither corner. Neither corner. Sertan or Joe both go to the both start. I really love. Uh, Malachi Moore is their nickel. He's really good. I mean, you can't take Drew White over Bill Moses either. You just no, no, you 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 can't. 
You but can't. I would say that White has been as productive. Well, he's no, but no, you're not going to pick a. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to pick a three. Yeah, I, I, you know, I get why you wouldn't pick White there. Um, I like Christian Barmore. I like he's listed as a defensive end. He's really more of an interior lineman in a three-man front. I think he's really good. And then, um, you know, I think Babel at strong safety has been very inconsistent. Clearly, Hamilton replaces him, and then Daniel White's the the starting the other safety. So, I mean, we just did two point five Notre Dame players on their best unit. Yeah, <laughs> that's concerning. It is concerning, except for Alabama is one of the best offenses we've ever seen, and we picked about five and a half Notre Dame players. Which is yeah, you are you are. are it too. <laughs> that's you're gonna number. Number 31 uh, defensively for them is Will Anderson off the edge, really good. Number four, these guys are listed as linebackers, but they come off the edge a lot. Christopher Ellen, number four, he's really good. Uh, and then and then Malachi Moore, I think, is really, really good. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm on record saying that I thought Sertan had an inconsistent season, and then the Notre Dame coaching staffs may basically talked about him like he was a six-star. So – I think there's plays that he has left on the field, but obviously he's making a ton yep. of plays. Judge Arthur Vandelay, in late November, the podcast insinuated that this is Brian Kelly's best Notre Dame team since the Holtz era. Last Monday, the podcast literally laughed at any notion Notre Dame could upset Alabama. Acknowledging this is a very good Alabama team, shouldn't Kelly's best team be seen as having some chance to win? Did the loss to Clemson really change the perception of this team and the program that much? I, I want to be on record saying that Brian Kelly chuckles when he when – he, when yes. he mentions Alabama too, because you look at things individually and it just, it, it prompts you to wonder how it can happen. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that my perception has changed a whole lot about this matchup based we, upon the Clemson game. I want to point out that we said when Notre Dame beat Clemson, that was awesome. And for Notre Dame to win it, they have to do it again, beat Ohio state and beat Alabama. And the last thing can't possibly happen. That was what was said. We said they could beat Clemson again. They could upset Ohio State. How do you beat Alabama? I have not changed at all in my notion of Alabama Notre Dame. I'm, uh, surprised, I'm surprised Clemson killed Notre Dame. I am surprised. I, I I have never felt like this is Brian Kelly's best team. Um, so you're an 18. I, I really push back at the notion of everyone who was asking midseason, "Is this your best defense ever?" Like that never made sense to me. Um, but yeah. Should an undefeated regular season now ten and one team be closer than the largest point spread in college football playoff history? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge concern for Notre Dame. Um, but I I don't look at it as like this is the best team at Notre Dame since <coughs> I feel like this team, if you could level out the coaching, I think this team would get beat by the 2015 team. I think it might get beat by the 2017 team. Uh, the 2012 team would be a good game, um, but I just have never felt like this is Brian Kelly's best team without a really vigorous debate. You what mean 2018 team? too, right? Tim or Pete, you would take 2018 too, then, right? Obviously, not at the not at the end. Um, not without Alex Bars, I'm not sure that I would. Oh, okay, yep. I mean, I I know people don't care about the rest of the country, but who? Who would be less than a twenty-point underdog against Alabama in this game? Clemson would be. Yeah, Clemson. Ohio State would be. Uh, Florida. I mean, Florida would be, although that was Florida seventeen. Was a, and a, that was seventeen. Florida was seventeen and a half. Right. Yeah. 
Notre Dame seventeen and a half. Yeah. Well, it opened. Yeah, it is. Notre Dame would have been a seventeen and a half point underdog in this game had they not played Clemson a second time. Probably be a ten point underdog. Ooh boy, that's invite. That'd been inviting bet, huh? <laughs> that'd have been canceled. And Notre Dame was just about to play Clemson. Would be all excited right now on Friday for the Clemson two point oh. I, I just, I, I, I just, I know people don't want to hear it, and they want Notre Dame to be up there with those other three, but they're right behind it. They're right I behind think- it. And Ohio State's not. This is not a typical Ohio State team, and I think Clemson. That's one of my favorite bets of the of the postseason is Clemson. But um, I mean, I don't know what to say. There's only a handful of teams that can play with Alabama. And right now it, it's Notre Dame is going to have to play a really, really, I don't want to say perfect game because there's no such thing, but they're going to have to play really well on both sides of the football to, to stay within the point spread. They stay within the point spread. They have a chance too. That's the key. You know, you got to keep yourself in that two touchdown range and take one at the end. Capuno Joe, has Notre Dame lost any confidence? This is a good question. How do they get the team to believe they can beat a team that appears to be unbeatable? When you lose 34 to 10 to Clemson, I don't care who you are. You're, yeah, I, I mean, I, you're, you're I, going Clemson. to have some doubts. Right. I'm not sure Eichenberg lost any confidence from talking to him today. Right. <laughs> and you, I, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to be young and in the midst of it and know exactly how good you are. And they, they know they're a good football team. So, you know, I'm not sure that that's a huge issue. It could be, you know, I mean, I think that I think the 2012 team learned within the first few minutes of the game that, oh, this is this is a whole different animal. Yeah, I just, you know, have they lost a little confidence? Probably. Is that really relevant to Friday? Probably not. Um, you know, if Alabama, if Devontae Smith catches a 65 yard touchdown pass on the game's opening drive, I don't like confidence is going to have anything to do with it. Um, but yeah, I think Notre Dame sort of they. They're a little more vulnerable now than they were on December 19th at uh, noon. I do think, though, to your kind of the opposite point there, Pete, if the end of the first quarter is Notre Dame 14, Alabama 14, any loss of confidence is completely restored by the players, if not the fan base, that doesn't matter yeah, at all. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think you just need to have a good first quarter and go, all right, let's go. Let's go play this game. I, I don't think it's like they're buried and defeated. And I Yeah, just, and then. But the, but the second quarter has been so decisively against Notre Dame and big, just for confidence, especially right, right, right. right. So you got to get to halftime. I mean, for 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 really be to be brimming with confidence coming out of the locker room at halftime, you got to be in it. It's got to be a seventeen fourteen game, twenty one seventeen, where you have really made inroads. You've slowed down Najee Harris. Devontae Smith hasn't killed you, right? And you know, and offensively you're running the football and you got, you have to prove it on the football field. It's got, you, it's got to be empirical evidence that you're making progress against this, this type of program. Just for Notre Dame fans listening, I believe Notre Dame's players have much more confidence in the situation than uh, the people. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Drew White's an incredibly confident guy. That doesn't mean he can run with Najee Harris on a single play, but Drew Harris or Drew White believes he is going to hit Najee Harris and he's going to knock him down. So if you, if that's what you're looking for, that's good. I coached, I, just let me, I coached against two number one teams in my life and we beat them both times and I had huge doubts and my players didn't. And that's why it happened. Well, that's what I think is going on. I think Brian Kelly has some doubts and his players probably don't right now. Cause 
he doesn't tell them everything he knows. Right. That's why he's <laughs> chuckling. He didn't why... show them film of the 93 Boston College no, game. Right. That's why he's chuckling and Eichenberg's yeah. stern. Ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. Rob, Rob Ebert is the Rose Bowl. You're Tommy Reese, and the Irish took the opening drive to Alabama's 30, but now it's fourth and five. Are you going for it? Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a good, that's a good scenario. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm an, I'm a conservative coach. I kicked field goal. Uh, I mean, it's easy for me to say sitting here in my, uh, house <laughs> that I would go for it, Yeah. but, but I do think like Notre Dame's probably going to have to hit, I think Ole Miss was four or four on fourth down, uh, when they played Alabama, Notre Dame's probably gonna have to hit something similar. So in that scenario, I would say, yeah, go for it. But I'm a reporter, not an offensive coordinator. Well, he made you be Tommy Reese, so now you're yeah, Tommy Reese. Sorry. Okay. Um, I want to channel Tim Priester first and say it is not the Rose Bowl. And then uh, number two, <laughs> I guess Tim Priester has told us a lot. This is not the Rose I, Bowl. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> flying to Dallas. I'm not going to the Rose Bowl. Exactly. Uh, I go. I do go for it. I know it's easy for me to say. Um, the, yeah, I, not, don't, I don't think the three nothing does much in this game. Oh, no, no it, pro- it, pro- no, it like, probably it probably doesn't. And I, having said that. There are fourth down situations where you're definitely going to have to go for them. I'm just saying that might not be the one. I guess I'm thinking the 47 yarder is hard to make too. Well, it it, it is, know, but if you don't one. use door at 47, let, let's say it's 40. You got who said 41 before we? Okay, let's, let's say 40. it's 41. You, I mean, otherwise you don't have door for the rest of the game if you yeah, don't you, show confidence. You probably kick the field goal if it's 41 and make a field goal that he often makes. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. And then it's a bad thing because they score and go ahead seven to three. All right. Wrapping it up here with Wash ND, if Alabama blows out Norday and you couple that with being dismantled in the ACC championship game, do you think the 10-0 regular season is essentially invalidated? No, uh, but the narrative will never go away until they almost beat Alabama or, or win this a playoff game. I actually think the narrative would go away a little if Norday loses 38-35 to to Alabama. Do, um, Don't you? Do- yeah. Do, oh, do, yeah. Do we? Does everyone have the memory of the Clemson game wiped from their consciousness if if Notre Dame loses, like the the, the November seventh version of it? No, it was does too the, big. Does the North Carolina game not happen anymore? Like if if they lose on Friday, like college college football is a television show, and sometimes the finale of television shows suck, but that doesn't mean the rest of the show is bad. It doesn't invalidate the rest of the series. Like Game of Thrones was not invalidated because it ended poorly. <laughs> like I enjoyed the, the, the previous seven years. I really enjoyed. And I still look back and I'm like, that was a fun show. So no, I, I, I just, I just don't think that's a healthy way to view college football as a, a matter of invalidation. Well, I agree with you completely. Unfortunately, college football is not healthily viewed by most people anymore because all they care about in July are these two games? I agree. I just that is I yeah. refuse to accept that as I, I, reality. I totally with I you. Do That's too, why I don't think Notre Dame. When they people say we have to become, we have to change and become Alabama to beat Alabama. Maybe that's true, but the fact that Notre Dame operated differently this year with a old school offense was what got them here. <laughs> like it. So what is Notre Dame isn't going to get Devontae Smith and Najee Harris all the time and seven more of them? I, I think there's an unhealthy perspective on competitive athletics which unfortunately has gone so far in the other direction can never be turned uh, turned back in the other direction those that are involved with it the players the coaches they understand that the journey is what it's all about 
And it's been a tremendous journey for Notre Dame this year. Invalidate it. Invalidate it. I, I, I that word. It puts a damper on it. I mean, that, that's, it, it, yeah. well, of course it, it does. It, yeah, it, it, invali- shine it, off it, it invalidates off the end of the season, but it doesn't invalidate the season. We've gotten to the point where actual happenings, actual history, as you said, Pete, Clemson, North Carolina, actual concrete victories are thrown away because you don't like the way it ended. That's that's unhealthy, and that's not what that's really not what competitive athletics is about. If you're part of the group that's involved in it, no, it's I I didn't actually hear what Kirk Herbstreit said about the playoff ruining college football, but we've been saying it for two years, and I totally agree with him. Whatever he said, <laughs> it's just it's it is it's 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 a sad state of affairs because. I mean, I have to admit, when they beat Clemson, I was like, oh, man, this is really fun. Now they're going to lose to Alabama in the championship game. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. I mean, I literally thought to myself, that stinks that Alabama's this good. Yeah, I, you know, you can't. When 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 we lose that, uh, it, it's, it's just, it, it makes it more, to tell you the truth, it makes it more difficult for us to enjoy our job because you know that no matter how much you argue uh, in favor of the players, do we? do we ever stop to consider what the players go through over the course of the season? Do you ever stop to consider what this COVID year was like? And so if they lose their last two games, it invalidates every, the blood, sweat and tears that those guys went through. I, I, I refuse to look at it that way. I just, it does bring a year of uh, so Notre Dame goes 11, 12 and 0 next year and they draw Clemson refurbished undefeated as well in the first round of the playoffs, number two versus number three. It is a month worth of, can Notre Dame finally stay? Well, no, and, 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 that, and that's valid too. And Notre Dame right. does need to get over the hump at some point. I'm just not sure that, 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 that this is the point where it's going to happen. Do they need to be better? Absolutely. But it doesn't invalidate anything in my mind because I understand the journey uh, that this team has gone through. So anyway, we appreciate everybody joining us here on Irish Illustrated Insider. We will reconvene. Typically, it's two days before the game. This time, since the game is being played on Friday, uh, it will be our next podcast will be conducted on uh, will be recorded on Thursday. So, we appreciate you joining us. And the next time we visit, I will be in Arlington, Texas, about a mile and a half from uh, Jerry World, talking about Notre Dame football. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Mm-hmm.